Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. This is what makes verse 58 so prominent, because Solomon said, May God not leave or forsake us. Why? That he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in his ways. Friends, that is a huge statement. The very fact that God will not leave or forsake us should cause us to incline ourselves to do what? To obey. You know, having a guarantee of eternal life or a guarantee of promise of whatever sort that God has given you should not incline you to disobey. No, you should be inclined to obey, not the opposite. That's what covenant should do. When I talk to people about being saved in Jesus and nothing can take that away, they sometimes they think I'm preaching a sin license. No, I'm not at all. You do not have the right to sin. That is an abuse of covenant. Covenant should cause someone to incline themselves to following the Lord God and obeying Him. God's not leaving us should promote obedience. That should not promote us to think of abuse of covenant. I'm going to go sin all I want to. Well, that was Solomon's prayer, is to not have an abuse of covenant, that the covenant keep the Israelites walking in obedience, and that His covenant would incline them to do so. Friends, God offers you eternal life, and once you get it for real, and you have truly repented of your sins, that should incline you to obey God, not disobey God. 1 Kings 8 and 62, Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord, and Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord, 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. On the same day, the king consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings, because the bronze altar that was there before the Lord was too small (laughs) to receive the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings. Now, it's apparent to me because of the huge volume of sacrifices that were going on, that there were sacrifices being made on auxiliary altars, extra altars that they had somewhere else besides just that altar at the temple, because it just wasn't big enough. And this is what it looks like for a nation that really, really wanted to get right with God. Lots of sacrifice, all this thank you and prayer and Lord protect us and bring your people back. So anyway, in 1 Kings 8 and 65, at that time, Solomon held a feast and all Israel with him, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt before the Lord our God. 
seven days and seven more days, 14 days. On the eighth day, he sent the people away and they blessed the king and went to their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the good that the Lord had done for his servant David and for Israel, his people. Friends, look at this. They're partying. They're having a great time. You know, there's such thing as a good party. You can actually party down and and have a good righteous party. (laughs) So getting right with the Lord, we just got to understand from this passage that getting right with God is not a drag. It's not this, oh, I got to get right with God. I can't have any fun anymore. (laughs) You know, because oftentimes I'll talk to people about getting right with the Lord, about repenting and obeying his commands instead of doing their own life. And when they hear that, they do this. Uh, kind of thing. It's like you can tell they just don't want it because they think it doesn't sound fun, you know? But for those whose hearts are inclined to God, we recognize the covenant that he has done for us and the promise we're not inclined to sin, we're inclined to God. Now, for those of us who are genuinely belong to Jesus, belong to the Lord for real, getting right with God is not a drag, it's fun. It's actually a blast. I've had more fun since I came to Jesus for real. I thought I was uh, had come to Jesus at one time, and I wasn't. But when I got saved for real, man, this is the big party you don't want to miss. Those who love God enjoy God. And that's why Israel celebrated. They had fun. They ate well. They had a lot of good talking. I mean, I'm sure they danced a little bit, had a great time. And they celebrated their relationship with their God. Friends, we should be joyful, festive, as we celebrate our relationship with God because He saved us. I hope you don't find Christianity boring. If fun is in the Bible and you're allowed to try it and find out that it actually works and that it's actually okay, all right? The Lord God gave Israel their own place to live. He gave them peace. He provided for them. What is not to celebrate here? I mean, this is will make you jump up and down. And friends, Jesus offers you a good place to live with him. He offers you peace. He offers to provide for you. And that's why believers celebrate the Lord. We celebrate him. Luke 15 says that angels even celebrate. They party down over one sinner that repents. And so we should celebrate our Lord for saving us as well. Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. (laughs) That verse had to tell us twice. Sometimes we don't get it on the first go around. (laughs) But Solomon knew that the Israelites were still capable of falling into sin. So Solomon called upon the Lord's covenant promises. Lord, give the people a way back. If Israel had been captured by an enemy and dragged away, then how could God's covenant promises come to pass if there was no Israel? If there was no nation of Israel, then God could not deliver on everything he said he was going to do with them. And so, for covenant to work, there must be a way back for the people who fell away. Friends, covenant cannot work unless there is a way back. Many times throughout history, God said, I will save my people, I will save them. But because we are sinners who have all fallen away, then for God to be able to make good on his promise, there must be a way back. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So praise God that he's going to deliver on the promise of his covenant because he gave all of us a way back, and that is in Jesus Christ. Friends, God gave you a way back. I know you messed up. I know you got things you've done wrong, and you're beating yourself up over it, and you just can't seem to get over it. But hey, he didn't make you the way back. He made Jesus the way back. Jesus is the way, not you. He gave you a way back. But what we have to keep in mind is that when we sin, that's when God has to afflict us. Proverbs 17.3 The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. And in Psalm 66 verse 10, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. So the idea here is that you think of silver when it is refined. They heat it up until all the impure metals that are within it, they will come up to the top, and then they can skim it off. It separates it, leaving only pure silver behind. The silver and gold that you've seen before in jewelry and rings and what all, that looks so good, but that's not its original form. That's silver and gold that has been purified first to make it look that good. So it's that shiny, and it's that has that much worth to it. And so it should be understood that your original form and my original form, it was tainted with a lot of impurities in it, impurities called sin. And the Lord has to refine that out of us. Even after we get saved, there's still impurities in our thinking and in our habits that have to be refined out of us so that we can become pure. And that's what the affliction is for. The affliction is not to make you get upset and shake your hand to God and say, uh, you know, shake your fist at God and say, hey, oh, why are you doing this to me? How dare you, God? That's affliction like an iron furnace to get them to get us to turn back, just like the Lord got Israel to turn back. So I want you to understand something about affliction and trials. First Peter 4 and 12, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Now, I'm glad this verse calls trials as being fiery, because that shows the refining process that's involved, like with refining silver. So don't freak out when seemingly bad things happen to you. Don't think, oh, why is this crazy thing happening to me? The Bible says, don't think something strange is just happening to you. Basically, it's saying believers should be able to recognize trials not as bad things to get upset about, but rather we should see trials as the Lord's refining of us. The Lord is refining us. He's getting impurities out. He's making you more pure. And it takes a fiery trial. It takes a trial to get that impurity out. So don't just think it of as think of it as weird things just happening to you. That's the Lord's refining fire. We should actually be happy about it. Now, this is going to be hard for some people to swallow, even me sometimes, to be happy about trials. My car got wrecked. My my a tornado sucked my house off the foundation. You want me to be happy about it? I want you to look at this. Romans 5 and 3 says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Friend, if you have no hope, then maybe you're looking at your trial wrong. Maybe you're looking at your iron furnace the wrong way. You're just, oh, God, why why me? Why me? Rather than, oh, this is a refining fire. It's going to purify me. You know, the, we're hard-headed. We're, we're the sinner, not God. I think that's something we all need to remember, that God did not sin. We did. And it takes this kind of extremity to work this impurity out of us. 
Now, we saw that Solomon had prayed about pestilence. He prayed about defeat. He prayed about lack of rain in this chapter. You name it, he understood that the purpose of affliction was to build us up and purify us, to bring us to a point of hope. You cannot train for a bodybuilding competition unless you put your muscles through affliction. You get on those weights, you pick up the weights, hard work, you feel the burn. They say, oh, come on, Ray, feel the burn, because that builds up the muscle. It refines the muscle. It makes it more capable. It makes it stronger. It builds up. Now, remember in 1 Kings 8.51 that Solomon said that Egypt was the iron furnace. That was Israel's iron furnace. He understood that Egypt's affliction, it was 400 years of it. This was no short little thing. It's no little small thing. 400 years of affliction was to refine them, to purify them into turning back to God. However, there are those people out there, they refuse to see affliction for what it is. They refuse to see it as God doing a good work in them. They take it only as a negative. Therefore, they refuse to be refined by it. They don't recognize it. They don't believe in the Lord God like they think they do. And so when the affliction happens, they reject that refinement. That only proves their dead set rejection of God. You may remember the prophet Jeremiah. He spoke to a lot of people, and it wasn't hardly anybody listened to him at all. But in Jeremiah 6.29, says, The bellows blow fiercely, the lead is consumed by the fire, the smelter refines in vain, for the wicked are not drawn off. People will call them rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. Okay, bellows are those little puffer things that blows the air into a fireplace to make it hotter. You, you blow that air with, that, with a bellow to make the fire hotter. Jeremiah the prophet, he was warning Israel for a long time. They weren't listening. So he said the fire of their affliction had to be blown by the bellows so fiercely, so hot. But even though the affliction was really super hot, the wicked were so corrupted that they refused to repent. They refused to be purified. And so their unrepentance would cause them to become what's called rejected silver. Silver with impurities. The impurities would not come out. No matter how hot you got the fire, that impurity would not come out. These people were so utterly corrupted that not even one small particle of pure metal could be found in them. And so rejected silver is so full of impurities that it's worthless. It can't be used. It refuses to to change. And so rejected silver is thrown away. It's rejected. Now, friends, this is all the more reason why we need to listen to God's word, because you don't want to be considered rejected silver. You don't. Whenever the the fire of affliction hits and you refuse to repent and you refuse to come back to God and you will not let that refinement have its time in purifying and uplifting you, but rather you curse God's name for it, you're becoming rejected silver. Let it purify you. Let it work the impurities out. Let God have his time with you in that affliction. He's with you. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They got thrown in the fire. The Lord was in there with them. So it's not like you're in there alone, but you got to let that fire work its time. But you can trust God's word is what I'm here for. This is the whole reason why I'm on the radio is because you can trust the Lord's words that he has said. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth 
purified seven times. Wow. Seven times. How many of you know what seven means in the Bible? It means complete. It means total. If you took silver and refined it in fire, now it's pure. Well, you know what? Refine it again a second time. You know what? Refine it again and again and again and again. Seven times. That has to be some pure, super pure silver. Completely pure. You can trust what the Lord says because his words are like silver that has been tried by fire, purified seven times. And for the Lord God to make covenant promises with his sinful people, then it's obvious that whenever he makes a promise and whenever we fail, there must be a way back. There has to be a way back or covenant can't work. Praise God that we have a way back through Jesus Christ because Jesus came back to establish the new covenant. Now, that's on an individual basis what I'm talking to you about, getting saved by Jesus, and he has laid down a covenant for you to be able to come back with. But I want to talk real quick about Israel as an entire nation, even today, right now. They don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, that right now Israel is in unbelief. So how can the Lord fulfill all the covenant promises that he made with Israel if they absolutely do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah? You know, the number of believers in Israel that believe Jesus is the Messiah is very, very small percentage. So how can they come back? There's coming a time called the Great Tribulation. It's going to be a great fire. And God is going to use it to give them a way back. Zechariah 13.9 says, I will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. Yahweh is my God. Isn't that amazing? They're going to turn. They're going to come back. But this refining fire that will bring Israel to confessing that Jesus is the Messiah, it's a similar fire to what each one of us receives when we get saved by Jesus. See, that's a national fire I was just talking about. But back to you as an individual, there's another fire that we get. Luke 3 and 16, John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Friends, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when our spirit is regenerated back to life. Originally, our original state is impure, but he comes and generates us back to life by God, a a fire to refine us. But then that fire also is the purifying work of the Spirit of God because you, after you get saved, you got to change your thinking. You got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's going to take some refinement to get your thinking on course with the Lord God's ways. And this is where we understand the power of covenant because when we are purified by it, it changes our thinking. Just as Solomon prayed, he said, Lord, may, may God not, may you not leave or forsake us, that you may incline our hearts towards you, Lord God, to walk in all your ways. Friends, salvation should cause us to incline towards walking in the Lord's ways. That means after you get saved, you got to start doing things differently. You got to start changing your mind about how you see things, your heart, 
should be inclined toward the Lord God. Therefore, the decisions of your mind should be made to accommodate the inclination of your changed heart. A lot of people, they claim to have a new heart in Jesus Christ, but they are not walking with the Lord at all. They're deceived. Now consider how Solomon knew that since God had once saved Israel from Egypt, he fully trusted that the Lord could save Israel again in the future. Likewise for you and I. We know that Jesus once rose from the dead, therefore we can fully trust that he can raise us up from the dead as well. John 6.40 Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will, that's a promise, and I will raise him up at the last day. So friends, as powerful as Solomon was, he was at least wise enough to know that he did not have the ability to save anyone. And that's why he got on his knees to pray for God's salvation for Israel. Likewise for you and I, as powerful and as capable as we sometimes think we are, (laughs) as powerful and as awesome as you think you may be at times, you will never be strong enough to save yourself. As powerful as Solomon was, even he knew he had to get down low to pray to the Lord, which means that the Lord is a king, even to kings. If Solomon would bow before the Lord, the great king, that makes Jesus Christ the king, even to kings. Revelation nineteen sixteen, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so being saved by Jesus, you know, we're going to go through our trials, but you got to know that he's refining you. He refines us. He purifies us for something better that's ahead. I know that I can look at my trials from the perspective of covenant, and I take great comfort in that, because in order for covenant to work, for God to make good on the promises that he has given me, then whenever I fail, there must be a way back. Isaiah chapter 43 says that God made a way in the sea. He made a path through the mighty waters. Friends, trust God during your trials as he refines you, because for his covenant to work, for God to make good, And what he said he was going to do, there must be a way back. 1 Peter 5.10 May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. See, friends, even after coming to belief in Jesus, you're going to suffer a little while. And that doesn't mean that God's not as strong. Well, I thought this was going to work. I thought he was strong enough to deal with this. That doesn't mean that. It just means he's refining you. Let him have his refinement time with you. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for not understanding the affliction, the fire furnace that you have put us through to get to purify us, to turn us back. Lord, I pray for anybody hearing me today. They're going through terrible affliction, Lord God. They repent. They say, Lord, forgive me. Give me the way back. Thank you for Jesus Christ. You gave me the way back. I take you up on it. And Lord, help them, deliver them from their bondage and bring them into their place of holiness, just like you did for Israel, their own set-apart land, their own set-apart place to live. And we thank you that you came after us when we did not care about you. Teach us how to walk with an inclination of our heart towards obedience to you. We thank you for sending your son to die in our place. In Jesus' name, Amen. You are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.